Coming up on This Week in Games, Activision and Bungie split, but on amicable terms. Two new players enter cloud gaming, and improbable Unity and Epic have a day of drama. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this week was a week of random assortment of drama, news, splits, mergers, and of course the Chinese government. That's right. A random news week for this week in games. And let's kick it off with the big one, Activision and Bungie Splitway. So, Bungie announced they are splitting from publisher Activision and retaining the IP Destiny. Activision says... Hey, we just want to focus on our own IP. Why Bungie says it will transition Destiny to be self-published by Bungie. What does this really mean? What's going on? Well, what happened is last June, Bungie received an over $100 million investment from NetEase, which basically allows Bungie to focus on other IPs besides Destiny and possibly inner self-publishing. So last time Bungie split from a publisher, for those who don't know, Bungie is famous they made a few games, uh, I think it was called Marathon, was their first-person shooter before Halo, but then they made Halo for Xbox, um, they made Halo 1, 2, and 3, and then they split in 2007 from Microsoft, so at one point I believe they were even owned by Microsoft, and they were definitely published by Microsoft. 2007 they split, because of the split and the deal they signed when they, I guess, made Halo 1, the Halo franchise and the IP went to the publisher Microsoft. Microsoft owns Halo. Three years later, in 2010, Bungie entered an agreement with Activision to publish Destiny. So likely what happened is they negotiated IP ownership was set to be retained by Bungie after they like split or if anything happened you know, during the publishing period. So after this announcement, Activision shares 6.2%. Activision shares fell 6.8%, and uh, Bungie's looking like it's a new single player in the game industry. Really, I see this as a big win for both companies, and the fact that they released a joint press announcement, and they both said great things about the other person, I really feel like both of them won at this. So, Destiny and Destiny 2 weren't the Halo MMO that it was meant to be, so... Destiny was actually meant to be this like big, grand storytelling, story-focused thing that would never have expansions. And then, of course, they had expansions and DLC, and then they actually released a complete sequel because Destiny 1 was so fucked up game system-wise. They had to reset the game systems. They released Destiny 2. Still didn't hit the peak that they kind of like thought it would be. I mean, Destiny is a really strong and respectable franchise, but it lacked a cinematic universe and memorable characters that something like Halo had. And it replaced them with a Diablo-style item loot system and a lot of grinding in general, like things you see in World of Warcraft type of uh, event engagements. So, yeah, I mean, when you think about an IP, um, a lot of it does come down to writing characters, things that are memorable, things that inspire emotions. And it's hard when your IP has... I don't know any characters. Like, I really never really played Halo. But I know Cortana. I know Master Chief. I know there's, like, those lizard people who turn invisible. And there's the little guys who run around with the shitty blasters. Like, I know Warthogs. I know all, all the, like, 
the banshees and everything and i never really played halo ever and i know all of these terms and everything i can't name a single thing of destiny i know at one point destiny had like spirit weapons where they're all shooting like bows and arrows and had axes which i thought was very weird but like i can't tell you anything because i think destiny really lacked the memorable events and emotional connections that something like halo had so active engine wants new hit ips that they own i mean Call of Duty struggling, some of the Blizzard IPs are struggling, so Activision wants new hit IPs, and they don't want those hit IPs to be owned or partially owned by development studios, and frankly, Bungie probably doesn't want to keep investing in Destiny if it won't be the hit that they thought it would be, so I don't know, good news for everyone, but the next story, weird news for everyone, so on top of Microsoft and Google, who are the two clear leaders in cloud uh, gaming. You have EA, who's dabbling in it. You have some other publishers dabbling in it. And now you have two new game streaming services that are quote-unquote leaked. Um, And by leaked, I mean probably press releases that are disguised as leaks. (laughs) So Amazon is developing a game streaming service according to the information. For those of you who remember, the information is the Uh, press outlet that leaked Project Yeti from Google a year before it was publicly announced as Project Stream. So the leak from Amazon is likely true. And on a side note, I actually pay for the information. It's $400 a year. I recommend that anyone who's like interested in Silicon Valley or the tech world in general, go check it out. Well worth it. So the details are pretty much similar to everything you see from Microsoft, Google, possibly EA, these other publishers, as far as capabilities. And, you know, AWS is the biggest player in cloud services, so you know Amazon's going to technically be able to accomplish this. The issue with all these is who's actually going to do a subscription and who's going to make you buy $60 games and who's going to lock up exclusive hits and IP and who's going to have the same old shit you can get on GameStop. And that's why I always say Microsoft is a clear winner. Microsoft is willing to do a $25 a month uh, subscription to get all the hit games day one. Um, and Microsoft owns all these studios and IPs and kind of like Amazon's competing with Google, hoping that they either like operate at a loss and offer some insane value to aggregate all these IPs and games, or, you know, maybe other services can use them as a backend. But yeah, the real issue with Amazon that's even worse than Google is (laughs) Amazon has a bunch of players in the game industry that you've never heard about so amazon game studios has yet to accomplish a single thing so they have a studio in irvine that spent over three years working on an esport game that kind of looked like a weird fantasy basketball game and it was canned after three years because alpha was so bad and so and canned it and then at some point, I heard rumors of a MMO being developed in their Seattle game studio. And since I haven't heard anything in three years, that's likely dead as well. And they bought a mobile studio in San Diego that, for all we know, is doing fuck all because, again, they haven't released anything as well. On top of this, they made Lumberyard, which is a fork of CryEngine. No one uses Lumberyard because no one used CryEngine. So no one's going to use a fork of CryEngine card Lumberyard. And the whole promise was that AWS was integrated in it as well as Twitch. But frankly, it's not that hard to integrate AWS into anything. So no one really needed it. And, you know, CryEngine was kind of like always seen as the game engine you went to for very specific visual or 
other capabilities and it wasn't seen as like a true competitor to Unreal and Unity. And then on top of that, Twitch is actually showing like slower growth in recent quarters. So not looking good. Like I truly don't think Amazon is capable of delivering in the game space. And they just have a history of just wasting time and money. And that's the worst thing you want to see if someone's trying to revolutionize an industry. You need someone who's actually going to hit these deliverables and actually going to like create value and, you know, create buzz and be consistent. And otherwise, I mean, gosh, you can't even release a game out of three game studios in many, many years and basically endless funding. What makes you think you're going to release a competitive game console to something like Microsoft, who's been able to hit, you know, for the last, what, 10, 15 years, not to be outdone, uh, Verizon Gaming, I didn't even know that was a thing. Verizon Gaming is testing cloud gaming through Google Play, and they previously tested it through NVIDIA Shield. So The Verge is reporting Verizon Gaming is targeting NVIDIA Shields and Android phones for their cloud gaming effort. No real further details were shared. They kind of listed a bunch of games that were currently offered on them. A lot of them are exclusive games to platforms, so like Xbox One exclusive games. So it can't be a real list of games that are going to be offered when this is publicly available. On top of that, alpha testers were giving an Xbox One controller and an NVIDIA Shield to test on the NVIDIA Shield and Google Play Android. Cloud gaming is coming up for testing, uh, I guess, sometime soon. Really, I mean, Verizon seems way out of left field to succeed in this space. Again, it's like you have Microsoft, and then probably in second you have Google, and then in third, you know, maybe EA, if they really get their shit together. But who is EA using as the back end of their service? Because they're likely not going to have all these um, cloud computing, like server farms themselves. Then Amazon. And then way on down on the list is Verizon, who has nothing to do with games. No one's buying an NVIDIA Shield. And it's probably just not going to happen. You're probably not going to outdo Amazon and AWS and Microsoft in terms of performance or in terms of price point, and you're likely not to acquire like exclusive IP and hit games that are only available in your system. So I don't really know what uh, Verizon's doing here, but you know, I mean, they can do whatever they want, I guess. So the next story is a bit of a drama. It's, it's a long, 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 annoying piece of drama. So Improbable, the developers of Spatial OS and Unity had kind of like a back and forth on blogs and it didn't turn out too well. So Unity has changed their terms of service, and now all Unity games that utilize its spatial OS are in breach of the terms of service, specifically dealing with cloud computing and streaming. What happened was Improbable posted a blog outlining this panic and kind of like bad-mouthing Unity and saying that, you know, everyone is under fear, and now any game using spatial OS and Unity is in breach of the terms of service. Unity responded immediately that day, stating that Improbable's post was incorrect and that developers who are currently live using Spatial OS have nothing to fear. And then Unity outlined what happened. Apparently, over a year ago, they, in Unity and Improbable entered negotiations over the terms of service. Improbable refused to budge and make a deal. So Unity told them that uh, their games would be in breach or their service wouldn't be in breach of their terms of service and unity revoked improbable's licenses to kind of be a provider on unity 
and probably had over six months to figure these things out, announce it, and publicly like state what happened. They didn't do anything in six months, and then the day that those terms of service were officially revoked, and probably released a blog post bad mouthing Unity. <laughs> so pretty bad. Unity stated that live games would be unaffected, but Improbable is basically done on the platform for as far as like new games. So looking like an idiot now, Improbable then had a second blog post to kind of rebuttal Unity's blog post. And basically, seems like what Unity said was true because Improbable backtracked on all their previous statements and then said a bunch of cloud uns- cloudy and uncertain statements about what actually happened. And they pretended like it's everything so unclear. But in reality, I mean, with these contract negotiations, everything was probably very clear. And they just wanted to get the jump on the press and make Unity look bad. Kind of backfired in their face. And then the third player came in. Epic decided they wanted a piece of attention. So they jumped in saying not only are they fully supporting Spatial OS, but they're also going to start a $25 million fund to help developers transition from other game engines, meaning Unity to Epic's game engine, Unreal. At the end of the day, and probably loses a lot of respect in my eyes, I mean, they blew up the story. They called a bunch of detention themselves and actually made a lying blog post saying like, oh my God, out of nowhere, Unity is saying everything we do is breaks terms of service. And then Unity came out of nowhere and was like, dude, we entered negotiations over a year ago. You refused to make a deal. And then you knew for over six months that your license were going to be revoked on this day, and you did nothing and told nothing to your users. However, Unity still comes out looking bad because, I mean, frankly, muddied up terms of service just sound like a mess to any developer. No developer wants to read the terms of service, and no developer wants to think that they're developing on a platform where at any day some service they're using could be revoked, and then they're stuck without a solution. And then finally, Epic is just an attention-grabbing kid who will throw money at anything to try to get their name out there. And they kind of just come off as like they're turning a story about Improbable and Unity into about them and how great they are. So all three players look pretty childish. I don't know. Maybe guys don't use blogs to kind of tit-for-tat back and forth to each other. Who knows? The Chinese government approves more games that's 84 more games to be exact. So since the blockade or the blockout of game releases in China, 164 games have been released. Still no NetEase or Tencent games were approved. So frankly, I expect some big news to come in the near future and kind of announce what the reality is that the two by far largest publishers in China are being blackballed by their own government and not being allowed to release games. I don't know. Very strange. Uh, oh, this story's great. <laughs> okay. So speaking of cloud gaming and like new paradigms and what's going to happen in the next few years, Slightly Mad, a mediocre game developer, claims they are making a high-end console. So the developer behind Project Cars and Red Bull Air Race, the game, claim they are making the next killer console. This comes with a wide range of claims from... 120 frames per second, full VR support from all VR companies, full peripheral support, and even 60 frames per second per eye in VR mode. You can look at whatever crazy design mocks they have of what the console is going to look like. They said the time frame is to release in three years, so they also announced a bunch of other vague like details, like this will be a top-of-the-line PC computer two years from now 
but released in three years, but will support everything at 120 frames per second. Makes no sense. It also makes no sense how a pretty much no-name developer that is kind of like, I don't know, I've never played Project Cars or Red Bull Air Race the game, but man, they're definitely like a single-A, maybe a double-A developer, and that somehow they're going to release a brand new console that's going to revolutionize the game industry. So... I don't know, like, I can't, no, man, it's, you saw the last big console maker to enter the game, and it was Microsoft, one of the biggest companies in the entire world, and it took Microsoft to enter the game and, like, kill Sega. I really don't think a no-name developer is going to be the next, you know, great console maker, but if you told me the developers at Half-Life were going to own the biggest digital marketplace in the world, I probably would have laughed at you back in like 1999 or whatever. So I guess maybe it's possible, but don't see it happening. All right, next, more drama, more uh, suing, more news. Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford accused of taking secret bonuses. So Kotaku is reporting that Wade Callender, Gearbox's general counsel and main like attorney, dropped this bombshell after he was being sued by Gearbox in December 2018 for fraud and breach of fiduciary duty. So he is being accused of borrowing money for a home loan and tuition, neither of which would pay back in full. The studio also claims that Calendar destroyed evidence of the home loan agreement. So Calendar countersued Gearbox and CEO Randy Pitchford, accusing Pitchford of violating various contracts involving both Gearbox and separate real estate company that they both own, as was as well as Calendar's own employment contract. So this lawsuit against Gearbox alleges that the CEO struck a deal in 2016 to receive a personal secretive executive bonus of $12 million to be paid directly to the CEO's Pitchford Entertainment Media Magic LLC. <laughs> that sounds like a money laundering company if I've ever heard one. Media Magic LLC. Entertainment Media Magic LLC. That's that's exactly what you call a money laundering program that's like in the Caribbean. <laughs> All right. So the attorney calendar and his lawyers argue that the bonus was an advance upon royalties that would otherwise go to Gearbox's staff. But since he took it as an advance, basically like if uh, Gearbox was going to make $20 million, this guy took an advance of $12 million, put it in his own LLC, so then the game, quote unquote, only made eight million. So then that eight million is divided among everyone for bonuses. So that's that's true. That's really shady and shitty. And if you work for Gearbox, you need to yell at your CEO and quit right now. That's so fucking shady. And that's a lot of drama. So that's why I love these lawsuits. So whenever like two big players, remember the Rockstar lawsuits from a while ago? Oh my God. Whenever two big players in a studio sue each other, it's amazing because then all the dirt and all the money funneling goes on. And then you see like, hey, everyone was laid off so this one CEO can make $10 million more. You know, it's just like, oh, it's crazy. It's crazy, but I love it. All right, let's round up some game news. Facebook rejects Gris's ad for sexuality. So Gris is a new platformer. Um, they wanted to do a Facebook ad. No additional feedback was coming to the indie publisher Dig Devolver Digital besides their ad was too sexually suggestive. Basically, the only like remotely sexual thing is a very, very artistic outline of a female figure 
that is in no way sexual. It's like a female figure kneeling. It doesn't even show an outline of like body parts or anything. And, you know, it kind of just tells you like you can meddle in elections. You can target racist people, but don't put a fucking silhouette of a female in your Facebook ad people. Okay. Because Facebook doesn't play that game and they will take you down. All right, next up, <laughs> Epic Games is looking to launch their digital store on Android in 2019. So Epic, uh, with their 88-12 split, isn't sticking on PC. They're going to do an Android and an iOS digital store. The only problem is iOS doesn't let you do that due to their terms of service. So Epic is likely going to start funding lobbyists <laughs> to change the law to force device manufacturers to open up their online stores to other digital marketplaces. This is a whole mess, and I'll just wait for this to happen because it's inevitably going to happen. So I'll just wait to cover this later. At the very least, uh, the Google Play Epic Games digital store will just be the place you go to download Fortnite and probably be upsold some other games. All right, business news, and then we're done. Tencent acquires a stake in Fat Shark. Developers Warhammer Vermintide. So Tencent dropped... 56 million to own 36% of the Swedish developer. So that puts like the Warhammer Vermintime developer at about $150 million valuation. I guess they want to be released in China, so they gave up that kind of money. Uh, Super Super League Gaming is looking to IPO. So Super League Gaming is like an amateur... Basically, like, they organize beer leagues for esports. Um, I don't know why the hell they want to IPO. So the main games they do this for is League of Legends, Clash Royale, Minecraft. But because they're amateur, they don't really give out money or pay people, like, professional contracts. And they don't actually make money. So they're going to IPO on the NASDAQ under the ticker SLGG. But their finances have been pretty miserable. 2016, they had a net loss of 12 mil. 2017 a net loss of 14 mil and 2018 a net loss of 13 mil like i don't i don't really see why they're ipoing these numbers are terrible you know public companies need to show growth opportunities not really a growth opportunity there their operational costs are kind of what's sinking them and uh really like beer leagues aren't going to rake in the advertising or like sponsorship money like a professional or an official league so like what is the na LCS versus the League of Legends like amateur beer league like if you're if you're an advertiser which one are you going to go to pretty crazy I don't know why they're IPOing guess we'll find out uh next up Blizzard and Netties agree to a publishing deal until 2023 so most of you don't know Netties has been publishing Blizzard's games in China for the last 11 years since 2008 I guess no shit they're going to continue this till 2023 because I mean, Blizzard is taking a Netties game and reskinning it with Diablo art assets and calling it Diablo Immortal. So I guess uh, they really like each other. And then a few more acquisitions. Funcom acquires ZPX, a work for a higher CEO known for working on big projects like Conan Exiles. Sony acquires Audio Kinetic, makers of WY's Audio Middleware. I guess they're going to run independently of Sony. And Paradox acquires Prison Architect, the game and IP, but not the creator's intro version software. So I guess Paradox just wanted to own Prison Architect flat out and bought it. And finally, the other big news of the day, the president of Blizzard Entertainment, Mike Morhaim, fully departs in April. So he's the last co-founder of Blizzard left, I believe, that's still actually at Blizzard. He's been with the company 28 years, 
And kind of this comes after a bunch of shakeups, layoffs, and cut to Blizzard over the last few months. And really, a lot of the rumors are that Activision's tightening the Blizzard's belt and basically saying, like, okay, you're no longer going to be the Blizzard Entertainment of Pass. You're just going to be a kind of games-as-a-service company that's going to pop out these, like, loot box games, and that's pretty much it. So makes sense to push out the president and face of the company at that point anyways. And, you know, I predict maybe not 2019, maybe 2020, but Activision Blizzard will be cut down to just Activision because they, they kind of just want to take uh, Blizzard's identity away. And everyone out there whining about, eh, Activision's killing Blizzard. Well, Blizzard's the one who sold to Activision for a pile of money, so you can blame Mike Morheim for that. All right. That's it for this week in news. I'm Eric McConnell. Come back next week. I'll catch you guys later. Bye.